And our topic today is rhubarb. Rhubarb is not the same as rhubarb. Welcome to Gardeners Radio by Lubera Edibles, the podcast for professional gardeners. We are talking about edible plants. My name is Frederik Vollert and at Lubera Edibles, I'm responsible for the product development. And my guest today is again Markus Kobold, founder of uh, the on online shop lubera.com and also co-founder of Lubera Edibles. Markus, where does the rhubarb come from? Yeah, if you ask a Swiss family member, he or she would say, oh, that's a Swiss plant. Uh, North German people would say, oh, that's originally uh, German. And English, of course, would say, yeah, the rhubarb triangle. That's for sure an English plant, a native English plant. But rhubarb uh, came from Asia, from China, Nepal, Tibet, near the, the Himalaya. And they came first to Europe. They came, you can say, in two, in two times to Europe. First, they came to Europe uh, with the uh, Arabs, and especially to Spain. And the Arabs imported this Asian plant not for the stems, not for eating, but as a medicine. And for the medicine, they used the roots. Uh, it uh, should help by digestive uh, problems, whatever. So newer studies have shown that uh, digestive results are not not very very intense. So it's not really a good a good drug, a good medicine. But it was asked, and uh, this was forgotten a little bit. And then in the early new time in the 15th, 16th century, uh, the the Russian began again to import. Uh, rhubarbs from Asia, from China, through Siberia, and the uh, Russian Tsar even did a, a monopoly on, on, on rhubarbs, so they could really change rhubarbs against gold, or silver <laughs> perhaps, and uh, on the other side, the English and the Dutch um, commerce companies tried to do the same, but, and in the whole process, more and more rhubarb types, rhubarb varieties, rhubarb species uh, were, were imported. They mixed, they were sought, they, um, they were planted, they came in the botanical gardens and they changed also. And uh, suddenly around 1800 uh, and parallel in, in Paris, in, in Germany, in Hamburg and in, in, uh, in uh, London, uh, people began to sell rhubarb stems as a vegetable or as a, as a special fruit. So it was an interesting time, an interesting coincidence. Why at, at that time, perhaps even through another foreign plant, the tea plant, the tea, the, the tea production went up, but also the sugar production, because the English started to, to drink uh, tea only with a lot of sugar. <laughs> and so the sugar production worldwide uh, went up and became a commodity. And uh, a commodity also, uh, uh, yes, uh, I, I think people uh, in the 18th century took uh, a lot of their calories through sugar. And, uh, and so uh, with this sugar and with sugar as a commodity, rhubarb became possible. Otherwise, you cannot imagine to, to eat rhubarb as, as this, too, too, really too sour. 
and uh, so it uh, and then uh, the high time of rhubarb culture in Europe was between the middle of the 19th century middle of end of the first world war there are people in England a little bit older than my me uh, which remember times when uh, in school for the meal uh, at noon uh, every meal was with a with a dessert of rhubarbs and uh, there are now people who who cannot live without <laughs> rhubarb, but there are really addicts, and there are also people who will never eat rhubarb again <laughs> uh, because of this. So that's that's uh, in, in in England. Even there was a region, the rhubarb triangle, where rhubarb production, rhubarb forcing, so taking out the roots, bring them to to uh, to warm dark rooms, and there forcing uh, the stems and selling them these fine stems was was really a, a main culture in, in a region in southern mm-hmm. middle England. So and uh, why do you now have chosen to uh, breed on rhubarb? So it, I think it's not... Uh, how big is uh, uh, the rhubarb breeding in the world at the moment? So I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't even know another rhubarb breeder. I, I haven't found one yet. In the, one of my heroes in breeding history, uh, uh, Luther Burbank, also bred rhubarbs. He imported uh, end of the 19th century rhubarb types from Australia, which were uh, in, a, in a warmer climate, which were producing through the summer into the autumn, ever growing, ever bearing rhubarbs. Uh, so type of Livingston we have now as a newer variety and uh, he brought the first ever bearing rhubarb to the market which was uh, bred off this material from, from Australia and uh, so uh, I, I, I thought when, when, when Luther did it I have to do it too <laughs> and so that was no uh, yeah producing rhubarbs in our nursery and uh, having seen the diversity of rhubarbs especially in England where I have seen a assortment, and also in, in Wisley you, you see a big assortment mm-hmm. of, of varieties. So I thought it would be interesting uh, to have them at in, in our test planting. So it begins like, almost always it begins like this. You have a assortment, you have a collection of varieties. You look at them, then sometimes you see the seeds, you cannot resist. <laughs> you take the seeds, you saw them. And in then we had um, we also started doing crossings, controlled crossings with with um, with the help of bumblebees, and uh, so we produced lots of seeds and thousands of plants. And yeah, then you cannot do otherwise; you have to plant <laughs> and uh, to select. And so this was the start of our uh, rhubarb breeding program. And what uh, was the results of this um, of starting your rhubarb breeding program? Uh, do you got any surprises you never thought about, thought about before? Or? It, the diversity is bigger than you think. Uh, there are also um, varieties. There are varieties which which are very near, and others which are really distant. You see that. Uh, The background, the genetic background is very diverse. It, it developed in these years where the Russian uh, uh, importers and also the English brought all types of rhubarbs to Europe, Europe uh, European uh, botanic gardens, and they mixed. And uh, so because of this, you have really different types. Uh, 
this is the first thing. The second thing is uh, that uh, we have seen that there will be some inbreeding because people normally they are propagating rhubarb vegetatively, but uh, but when you don't have enough plants and if you don't have time, you use seeds, self seeds. Uh, also for planting and so you have in all all the varieties you have some inbreeding in it and when you are crossing these inbreeding lines you have some uh, uh, a boost a boost in the crop in the boost in the stems and we had some crosses which were very where where the the outcome was very similar but but very vegetatively very interesting so lots of stems big stems especially green varieties and this was interesting. We didn't um, uh, we didn't anticipate this, and yes, uh, we even found some new types of rhubarbs we never thought of. So, what are these new types of rhubarbs? Do you have some some examples? You yeah, the, the first is the crazy bearing rhubarbs, which are 80, 80 stems per plant. So that's possible. The second is uh, more. More than we thought, more ever-bearing rhubarbs, which are really producing through the summer. No, you, you can almost select them uh, by selecting the first growing rhubarbs in spring, because uh, the, the habit uh, that plants are reacting on the first spring temperature uh, uh, and starting the, the earliest rhubarbs are mostly also the rhubarb, rhubarbs which are producing through summer. Not always, but it, it's a good, uh, a, a good. Good, uh, good idea of it, and uh, and uh, so autumn rhubarb, summer rhubarb, which are producing through the summer, and the third is really a new type. This is a uh, blooming rhubarbs. Normally, normally you're taking off the blooms because yes, this is what every hobby gardener uh, yeah, do, doing yeah, his garden because they are taking off uh, energy and the plant isn't able to produce enough new stems. And, but we have seen that we have rhubarbs which are producing blooms like crazy. So we will have in the next year another look. That's your, your <laughs> will be your, your duty to test it if we could also cook or use the, the, the blooms. But they are very nice in the field. And so we have selected varieties which are making four to ten, ten blooms. And at the same time they are still able to produce enough stems. So this was the selection criteria. Perhaps fourth, the fourth idea are compact growing rhubarbs. There are compact growing mm -hmm. rhubarbs which have only a diameter of 40 centimeter and perhaps a height of 40, 50 centimeter. So this type exists and it, this could be a very interesting type for uh, pot production and also for growing rhubarbs in pots. And this will uh, will be possible growing rhubarbs in pots for yeah, for yeah. a couple of years. Yes, yes. With, with this, you see also some customer doing it with uh, with his ever bearing rhubarbs like Livingston, and with his new types which are genetically much more compact. Uh, it will also be possible. And you have you have really also stems. They are not 40 centimeters. They are only 15, 20 <laughs> centimeters. But you can use them for cakes and other things. Yeah. And um, how long does it will take to if if you will release your first own rhubarb varieties on, on our online shop blueberry.com we will have the first plants of the first variety this year and next year also for other customers it's like always when we only have some hundred plants uh, the only possibility to sell them and to use them is in our own 
direct-to-consumer-business, lubera.com. But from next year on, uh, they are open for all. But it will be the variety Syrup Barber. And uh, it's a red-red variety, outside red, inside red. Uh, we have another variety in our assortment till now, and perhaps we will we will test these two varieties against each other. Uh, the variety Canada Red, and uh, it, it seems to us that the new variety is a little bit more productive. The stems are a little bit bigger, and they are cooking a little bit faster. So that's our impression. It's not a very big difference. So, uh, and we will sell this new variety because it's cooking so so well. And it's such a nice color uh, as uh, syrup powder. So, you know, you can produce syrup yourself. You can buy uh, syrup, syrup saps, uh, 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 drinks everywhere, but normally they have no color. And uh, uh, if you have ever seen a, a pink red uh, syrup, rhubarb syrup or, or a drink, you will never uh, want to have another. So, People out there, if you are interested to produce syrups, if you are interested to produce something to drink, rhubarb drinks, use our new variety, Syrup Barber. Yeah, thanks. And well, can, can you explain our listeners and also our, our viewers what, is, uh, what um, qualities of young plants are now at the market and what quality of young plants Lubera Edible uh, is selling? Yes, in, in, in principle, we would uh, we can announce two revolutions <laughs> in in in, a, in a rubber production. The first is a new varieties coming. So every year in the next one, two, three years, we will have uh, new varieties. There will be three groups of varieties: uh, this heavy bearing rhubarbs, crazy bears with uh, 30 to 80 stems per plant, and then we will have this. Uh, ever-bearing varieties and there are this, the bloom varieties, so that's the, the revolution in, in, uh, in, in varieties. And, but we have also a revolution in production. So um, we started producing rhubarb young plants perhaps 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and it was a small crop and it was difficult to do it. And uh, also some others were able to do it, but in the last two, three years we really have, we have found the solution. It works now, it works in an industrial level. We are producing hundreds of thousands of rhubarbs now and selling. And this makes another type of production. Before you had this problem, you had this, this field-grown rhizomes, uh, uh, 40, 50 centimeters in diameter, and then you have to cut them in pieces and then you have to, to pot these big pieces into Uh, two, three, five liter pots, whatever. That's that's hard work and very difficult. Yes. And you are also every two, three years you are losing half of the crop because we are rotting. And with uh, our micropropagated, in vitro propagated plants, you, all of these problems are done. So it's easy to pot. It's easy to produce. You have no losses. And uh, so that's really it makes the rhubarb culture in in pots. For garden centers and so on, makes it much much better. And at the same time, also the number of the, of the production number on the market, which is asked for rhubarbs, uh, are going up crazy. That's the reason we are now selling hundred thousands of rhubarb plants. Are you producing rhubarb plants? You should, for sure. 
and it's much easier to do it with a with it uh, with uh, little plantlets. Another thing with these little plantlets, it's also possible to produce a smaller pot. You can produce a pot of half a liter, one liter, two liter, three liters, five liters, all with the same young plant. In our opinion, it still makes sense to produce a as big as possible plant because then you have a better price and uh, you have an advantage for your customer. The advantage of a, a three, four, five liter pot, which is produced in, in season one and sold in spring of season two, is uh, that, that customers already in the first year can take two, three stems and in the second year in the field, they can have a full production. So this is the advantage of, of, of bigger plants. So in our nursery, we are producing about 15 to 20,000 five liter rhubarb plants. Uh, per year. You have to change a little bit your production if mm -hmm. you're using these small plantlets, but it's more or less an advantage. Uh, you're potting about week 25, uh, a small 4 centimeter plantlet. And also, if first you think this little plantlet and this big 3, 4, 5 liter pot, that's no problem, uh, you have to take the pots a little bit away. Uh, like on a, on a, like in a chess chess uh, scheme, and uh, and uh, that you have enough space. If you don't do it, uh, you will have five to twenty cent uh, percent of plants dying because they are too dense, and the smaller plants are dying. We have really seen it. Now we are spacing the plants, so every second place is empty, and now we have. Uh, 97, 98% of, of good plants. So that's the solution because they are starting very slowly, but then they are exploding. In, in, in some days when they have really started, you have full, you have big leaves, stems, and they are really, they need place if you want the production, but you don't, you, you have the production only for half a year because you're potting in week mm -hmm. 25. So only for half a year and in spring, almost already from September in the first year on, you can sell the plant. There is another difference between the new type of plant and the old type of plant. In the old type of plant, you had these big rhizomes and you have a reserves uh, and the plant can start for weeks and months with reserves in uh, the roots. With the new plants, this uh, micropropagated plant, first they are producing a root system and not a rhizome. And uh, this root system is good for growing, but they need in spring and also when you are planting them, they need some, some uh, fertilizer, yeah? because they have not these reserves. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you have to start the spring with, uh, with fertilizing them, otherwise they are uh, uh, slow, slow growing because they have not the normal reserves. So you have to change a little bit, you will have to have a, a somewhat higher uh, fertilization level. But uh, otherwise, this new plant, this new type of plant, makes the rhubarb culture in nurseries much, yes. much easier. That's true. I have another, perhaps another, and the last <laughs> uh, uh, story to tell people are all, always asking if rhubarb is a fruit or is a vegetable. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a classic story. Uh, but you should know. Uh, of, of course, it's a vegetable, and in our assortment, it's in the group of everwegs, of ewiges Gemüse. These type of vegetables you can plant one time and then grow for years and pick also for years. 
So that's interesting. It's it's a vegetable, a stem vegetable, if you want to to say it. But there was in the in the in the after World War Two there was a was a, a big trial uh, before a judge in the U.S. and people wanted to know if it is a a fruit or a vegetable because I I think the reason were taxes and different level of taxes for vegetables and for fruit and there were people who wanted them to have as a fruit and. And the judge ruled, rhubarb is a fruit. And that's the reason till now, uh, as a, a fruit company and a fruit young plant company and a berry company, we are producing rhubarbs. And rhubarbs were also the bridge for us at Lubera to start with our vegetable business. Yes. So uh, that's, that's everything explicated. Yeah. Thank you, Markus. Thank you for your inside views in uh, your rhubarb work. And thank you also for listening and wat watching our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can write directly to me an email um, to frederick.follard at lubereedibles.com. And if you want to follow us and to know everything we are doing in new things in breeding, please go on our website and... Uh, Uh, is that my name? Uh, you can, uh, you can on, on our web website, you can subscribe our subscribe. newsletter or our, as we called it, our gardener's letter um, under luberaedibles.com slash newsletter. Thank you. Thanks for hearing Gardener's Radio by Lubera Edibles. You find us on every platform for podcasts, Spotify, Apple, and of course, on our website, www.luberoedibles.com. Go on gardening.